you just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Yeah, you know, right now uh, we have the atmosphere of a, of a JC softball game. You know, I mean, that's what we are, JC softball team. As long as, you know, uh, it's 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 not whether you win or lose. It's like who, the, 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 the team that wins is the one that has the most fun. You know, that crap like that. You know, all this stuff that's contaminated America where they give every kid a trophy and they don't keep scoring Little League anymore. Now, that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> Winning the SEC probably is harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that? Well, how about the fucking dogs? Turn that damn you Hey buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the pirate, and the pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State. Welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, buddy, what's going on? Hey, man, we've had uh, quite a bit of little news here around the SEC, and I got a great guest lined up. We're going to talk to John Neighbors, who, for my money, he's the best radio host in the state of Arkansas. He's going to talk a little Razorback football. So, man, we got a loaded show here, and just wanted to finish the week strong, buddy. How you doing? I'm doing good, buddy. I'm doing good. Yes, it is. The end of the week. I'm looking forward to this wild weekend of no football, and uh, uh, I guess you know that's that's as good as it gets right now. Just interview. So, uh, beggars can't be choosers, Mike. I appreciate the effort you getting these guys on because that's what we want to know. We want to know what's going on around the league, you know, and who better than these guys? Well, also, who better than damn uh, Charles Barkley, Shay? We got a clip <laughs> of old Sir Charles the Chuckster there. One of the uh, greatest alums in SEC history, of course, an Auburn man himself. And he was down there at the uh, region's annual golf tournament. And apparently he is not a fan of our damn countdown to kickoff. Y'all ain't used to asking basketball people questions because y'all only give a shit about football. (laughs) Y'all don't give a shit about anything but football. How many championships have they won in the last couple years? Like six? Six and 12 years, I would consider, since we've only won two in 50 years, I would consider that a big gap. I think it's fair to say every year. Hey, number two here. Number two here. You see my boss? <laughs> How you doing? Hey, that's the great Bo Jackson. He's amazing. Y'all still got that stupid-ass thing going where y'all count down the days until football start again? <laughs> every time I'm home, I just be laughing. 69 days until football start. Right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, okay. And I want to tell you this other thing. If the fight break out, I want Coach Harson with me. Uh, he's been a, if a fight break out, me and Coach Harson going to kick some ass. 
Hey guys, thank y'all for being out here today. Yeah, and tell the weatherman they suck. They said it was gonna be not rain. All right, so there you have it from Sir Charles. <laughs> I mean, he's always good for a quote like that. It, it, I think it was the first time we've ever used Charles Barkley. I'm glad we did. Yeah, he's a quote machine, man. I, I enjoyed that. I, I like to count. I don't care what he says, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because it, it when you get that 100 days, it's it just feels like, you know, you're just, all right, we're in the 70s, we're around the linemen, and then mm-hmm. we get down the linebackers, and then you never know, the running backs. So I, I just – I love the countdown. It gives us something to look forward to, but uh, you got to love Barkley too, man. He, he doesn't, he has no filter. It's got him in trouble a few times, but uh, he made some really good points in this, in this session that he was with. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of, uh, you know, an incredible quote, let's just get right into it. Kind of the biggest thing here in the SEC this week, jump all down to college station. Roll Jimbo, man. We don't get this Jimbo. In our press conferences, <laughs> this came from a Houston touchdown club. Now, it's a little hard to hear, so I'll, I'll recap it. It's just a sh- very short clip here, but let's cut to the clip, and then uh, and then I'll share what he's had to say. So there you got from uh, old Jimbo. Oh, my God. And if you couldn't hear it, the way I understand it, the setup was, you know, a fan asked, are you waiting for Nick Saban to retire so that you can finally beat Alabama? And he says, hell no, we're going to whip whip his ass. I want him to stay there. So, <laughs> woo. I mean, this this, uh, this is the summer content we're here for. You know what? Oh, man. And I'll tell you, that's one thing that uh, a couple of them called out, you know. I, I uh, Who was it? Uh Lane Kiffin, mm-hmm. you saw he put right. You know, I mean, he's it's true. When you're that elite, when you're Alabama, it doesn't. It, Nick Saban is constantly looking for something to fuel his team, and if you don't think that this isn't going to be all over the campus the week they play Texas A&M, you're crazy. Because I, I remember the years when uh, Tennessee sucked. Well, we've always sucked for here last couple decades, but. <laughs> Going in, you remember the red team? We kept calling them the red team. I can't remember which coach bright idea that was. I think was. that was Dooley. Dooley. Yeah. Yeah, Dooley days. And and uh, that's all you heard, man, after they smashed us was, all right, they got they got their ass beat by the red team, you know? So <laughs> you get every little piece like this is fuel for him and uh, definitely not going to be the last time we heard it. Man, Saban has been on the prowl. Have you seen this? This The PGA Tour, he's all over the place. He's getting pictures with patients. He's... He's mm-hmm. running into Kirby. Have you seen him down there with Kirby? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> Kirby comes up with four or five clubs, and I can't remember who tweeted it, but they said, look at Nick Saban uh, talking to the caddy here. <laughs> 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 oh, I love it, man. So, hey, I will say this. You know, this probably wasn't meant to get out, 
but you you love it. I, I want my coach confident. I want my coach talking to my kids like, hey, th- th- you know, we're not afraid. We don't need him to retire. We're going to compete. It felt like they got better last year, and who knows, maybe this is their season. So as much shit as I'm giving Jimbo, I love the attitude, and that's what the players need to hear. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Shane, because I have been critical in, in years past when – I think back to Alabama opening the season against Duke, and then there was one year mm-hmm. it was Louisville when they, when they still had uh, Bobby Petrino before they ran his ass out of town. And mm-hmm. they were talking up, you know, we're ready to face Alabama, we're ready to shock the world. And I said, let's pump the brakes on that. You know, <laughs> you're Duke and Louisville, we cannot be having that talk with Alabama. It's a right. completely different animal if you're Texas A&M. You're one spot you removed. Pieces, man. You have the pieces. You're one spot removed from the college football playoff. This is a program that's standing in your way. They're in your division. If you cower to them in the offseason, you won't stand a chance in hell to beat them during the season. So, uh, yeah, you're probably going to motivate Alabama a little bit. But last time I checked, Alabama doesn't really need much motivation. They, they find it within themselves to get up for all these mm-hmm. games. Whereas maybe, maybe this will light a fire under, uh, you know, not – to say that the Aggies needed a fire under their ass, but maybe it will. Just the fact that uh, their coach got confidence in him and his own ability to outcoach Nick Saban. So I love to see this. And, and that's all it is, Mike. It's confidence. Do you? I mean, you remember the LSU Alabama game a couple years ago? They came in that thing expecting to win, and that's why I really think they did. Now they had to have a couple breaks go their way, but they did. You, Texas A&M should have that same attitude any given Saturday. This. They can't, like you said, cower to University of Alabama. Even though as dominant as they've been, you have the talent to compete with them. It's going gonna, it's gonna to require a perfect, flawless game, but you get the most out of your players if they're confident going into the game itself. So uh, I love it. Love the attitude, and I already love it, man. Look, it's, it's, it's freaking May, and we already got some, <laughs> some bold coaches out here, man. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, hey, buddy, let's uh, skip on down to the next item here. Let's jump on down. To Baton Rouge. It's my honor to present the national championship trophy to Coach Ed Ogeron and the LSU Tigers. Sticking in the SEC West because we finally have a little bit of, uh, a little bit, not fully, but a little clarity on the quarterback competition because our man, TJ Tank Finley, mm. has entered the transfer portal. He's leaving LSU. And I don't know what it is about this show, Shane, but every time we give a quarterback a nickname, it was, you know, the bearded Schrader, <laughs> Heislinski. You should just be praying that we don't give your quarterback a nickname because if we do, he's going to transfer eventually. Believe it or not, T.J. Finley, who I don't think anybody thought was going to be the starting quarterback next season, he's, he certainly seemed to be the third man in that race. Mm-hmm. But he's got more starts than any other quarterback on that entire roster, and that includes Miles Brennan. So... Uh, he's leaving after five starts. He, he threw for just under a thousand yards last year, five touchdowns, five interceptions. So this is not going to kill LSU by any means, but it, it kind of clears the window. I think a little bit for Max Johnson and miles Brennan. And, and I guess if you even want to throw in the true freshman Garrett Nussmeyer, but it's pretty interesting that, uh, you know, one's down and, and we're not even to fall camp yet. Yeah. I, but I, I'm kind of liking it. Um, as an LSU fan, you you kind of want the water to be a little less muddy going into fall. So I think you're good there. And and, and I think Tank, I think he's a hell of an athlete. Um, I but he he needs something. He needs a little more 
one-on-one and obviously he's lost that job down there in LSU. So I don't, I don't blame him for leaving, but I'm, I'm, I'm just hoping the next place that he lands, got a good coach, somebody that can get them. I don't know, maybe like he just needs a little one-on-one action. You know what I'm saying? And it felt like LSU, you just didn't have time for that. We needed somebody to produce immediately last year. And we're going to have to have it again this coming up season. So, so I don't think it's the last time we hear from Tank. It's just it may be the last time we hear from him in the SEC. Well, I wouldn't even go that far. I mean, I've not heard anything, but I'm just looking around the league. I think Auburn would be very interested in him. And if I'm South Carolina, I mean, they're kind of running. They're saying they're going to run this Joe Brady offense. That's what he came to LSU to play. So mm-hmm. maybe I pick up the phone if I'm South Carolina, too, looking for some depth. But you know, here's potentially even bigger news. I'm not reporting this, but I am hearing it, Shane, that Miles Brennan could be next. Apparently, you know, I think he's seeing the writing on the wall here. And and if he were to leave, he's a graduate. He could go to any school he wants, be eligible immediately. Yeah. And I think he's got two seasons left to play if he wants it. And he's already sat the bench for four seasons. So, you know, all of a sudden, LSU could go from what looks like the best quarterback room in the SEC when you, you know, if you're talking to overall four players here, mm-hmm. to down to two scholarship players of Miles Brennan <laughs> thinking about transferring, which I said is, again, it's, it's not official or anything, but that's what I'm hearing. So, man, it could be, could be pretty wild down there if Miles Brennan leaves too. Well, it's not the first time Coach O had an empty quarterback room, you know. <laughs> yeah. Things turned out all right. So I'm not I'm not worried about it. Uh, Miles is an interesting one. I could see him bounce around. It's just, you know, if I saw Tank go somewhere, as long as he's, you know, just be methodical in his picking. And, uh, I, I mean, could you imagine him going somewhere like Florida Gators or something? Mm-hmm. You know, just, just all of a sudden, okay, I don't need to start immediately. I need a coach that can get me to the next level, prepare me. You know, who better than somebody like Dan? And I'm not saying that's going to happen, but there's a lot of great coaches out there that are known to develop and get the most out of quarterback. One more item, Shane, before we get to our interview here with John Neighbors. Uh, you're going to love this one, buddy. Let's kick it on down to Rocky Top. The Vols are back. Before long, we'll be taking a bite out of everybody we play, Because the Vols continue to add via the transfer portal and the latest addition, Uh-oh. Shane, Mississippi State receiver, and Nashville native Javonta Payton, mm. who caught 28 passes for 372 yards and a touchdown during his uh, two seasons there for Mississippi State. He's joining the hypo hype train. <laughs> and it's pretty interesting to me, Shane, uh, because I think Javonta Payton's a good player and I think he'll make an immediate impact in this offense. But it's interesting to me that, uh, you know, Tennessee's still trying to get guys to add on the offensive side of the ball. You'd think it would be the defensive side that they're mm-hmm. – I'm sure they're still focusing on on that side as well. But, uh, man, another weapon. you got to be pretty happy about uh, <laughs> Hypo getting another guy to, to throw the ball to here. That's the thing, Mike. We, we don't care about defense anymore. We just want to outscore you. So, <laughs> if we have all offense, that's it. That's okay. That's fine with me. So, you know, Hypo knows what he's doing. And I don't think that – you know, this is the only guy that we're going through in the transfer portals, probably just the only one we landed right now. And I like that buzz. The reason we're not having any trouble picking up offense is people are getting excited about the product Tennessee's about to put on the field. And, and it's tough to play defense for, for a college that 
plays so many plays per second. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. uh, I, I think if you're a defensive player, it's it's a tougher sale to to come to Knoxville knowing what what that team's going to look like next season. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they're good. As fast. And we're as, not done, man. We're not done. <laughs> I, I guarantee, man. There's still some more in the portal. We're going to try to get out. And as like you said, as fast as they damn run, they are going to need. Maybe they do need uh, 12, 13 receivers because they they might be having to, uh, you know, get them on and off the field per possession. You know what? Exactly. I'm getting tired just thinking about it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so let's kick it over to our interview with John Neighbors. We're pleased now to be joined by the number one radio host in the state of Arkansas, in my opinion, John Neighbors. You can follow him at Buzz John Neighbors on Twitter. He's a must-follow, and he's the host of the Out of Bounds on 103.7 The Buzz, and he's also the host of the Locked On Hog podcast. John, thanks for joining me. I really appreciate you. Absolutely, man. It's always good to catch up with you. Appreciate it. Yeah, well, you know, I wanted to start off here Obviously, uh, you know, I don't talk a lot of baseball, but the Razorbacks, number one in the nation. We got Eric Musselman. His program is just rolling right now. And Sam Pittman looks to have the football program on the up and up. Has there ever been a better time to be an Arkansas Razorback sports fan? Honestly, that's something we talk about a lot on my show. And I can't think of a time, man. Like, it's incredible how pretty much every sport, if if they're not already great or being elite, they're at least have the potential, like with football, for instance, you know, we don't, I don't think anybody in Arkansas even thinks that Arkansas football is going to, you know, be a top 10 team next year, but it's at least they're making progress and, and going the right direction from where they were from. So yeah, but with baseball being number one, uh, softball, even as uh, going to win the sec first time that a team not named Bama or Florida has won the regular season in the sec and softball basketball coming off of that, uh, great run in the elite eight women's basketball. I know they lost early in the uh, NCAA tournament, but still they had a phenomenal season. So yeah, it's just really hard to complain right now. If you're a Razorback fan, cause everything's going so well. Well, I think uh, certainly the best is yet to come for Sam Pittman and his program. And I really wanted to ask you, you know, what is the most impressive thing you've seen from Sam Pittman since he took over the job there at Arkansas, which, you know, obviously a lot of people didn't see that move coming and a lot of people mocked it and, now it's looking like probably the best hire of that entire coaching cycle. You know, it's funny because obviously he won three SEC games last year, which is uh, more than Arkansas won in the past three years combined before that. So obviously he's made progression by getting a team that's, you know, that they they give a lot of effort. Uh, the recruiting is definitely picked up. Like there's been some really great things about it. Uh, But honestly, the one thing that impresses me the most, and this is kind of uh, a weird one, but it's so true, is that Sam Pittman is a guy that, like, he doesn't fall for where, oh, we're we're Arkansas, so, you know, we got to stand out on social media, or we got to do quirky, wacky things with our uniforms and stuff to gain, gain people's attention. Like, he's not doing that. He's just a football coach. He wants to coach football. He's a genuine guy with everybody that's ever met him, and he just enjoys life, so... It's just been really cool to see how it could be easily done where they become like this team that wants to stand out by doing quirky and wacky things or, you know, crazy hashtags or whatnot. But it's not that. He's just going out, coaching football, hiring good assistants, uh, keeping the players in check. And I think people really respect and appreciate that a lot more. Now, obviously, you live in the state. You 
I can't imagine how many Razorback fans you run into on a daily basis, but uh, I wanted to ask you, when's the last time that the Arkansas fan base has been this genuinely excited about the upcoming college football season? Uh, honestly, I'd have to say probably 2016 was the last time I remember there was any genuine excitement for Razorback football. Uh, that was the year where they were coming off of that 5-3 and three campaign. They had won the Liberty Bowl against Kansas State. They had a new quarterback in Austin Allen that people were really good at, but you returned a lot of the key pieces from the previous year, too. And uh, people were excited about the, the unknown and mystery of it all in 2016. But since then, every single year has kind of been met with uh, not looking forward to it. Even this past season with Sam Pim being new coach, people were excited, but at the same time, they're like, we have no idea what this guy's going to do. He's never been a head coach before. Like, we were hopeful, but we don't know. It could be disastrous. It could be awful. And lo and behold, we saw what panned out. So I would say that at least for the past five years, this will be the most excited Razorback football fans have been about a football season, especially since uh, they're going to be welcoming Texas in uh, in the early part of the schedule. Yeah, I'm glad you referenced that game because, uh, man, I've been saying that uh, Arkansas is going to beat the shit out of Texas. I've, I've been, not been hiding the fact that I think Longhorns are going to be overrated coming into that game. Is this the most anticipated Arkansas football game you can remember since since when? Ooh, that's a good question. Honestly, since it's Texas, which we know it means a lot more, and uh, the old Southwest Conference rivalry and all that, you know, I would probably say that this might be the most anticipated game since because it's a home game too, and it's in Fayetteville, which doesn't happen that often. I would say probably since that Ole Miss game of 2016 as well. Because Ole Miss was coming into town, they were uh, a top team, and Arkansas was a top twenty-five team. Then uh, that was a lot of excitement. The crowd was definitely into it, but uh, you know, before that, it's been a minute. Uh, maybe you could throw into the mix of uh, the Arkansas Alabama game of twenty ten, something like that. But yeah, it's just been a long time since people have anticipated a game like this too. And I think Razorback fans are excited about it because honestly, Mike, like if you think about last year for Arkansas the four teams that they lost to where they just flat out got beat, like not, not even close, just a, just a flat out beat. They lost to Bama. They lost to Texas A&M. They lost to Florida. They lost to Georgia. Those are the games that just flat out got beat. Well, those were the four best teams in the SEC. And the other three games that they lost that year was to teams where honestly, they probably should have won. We all know about the Auburn controversy should have won that. They lost to Missouri on just, you know, in the final minute of the game and it was close and they had the lead. They lost that one. Then they lost to LSU when they didn't have a defensive line, and LSU kicked a game-winning field goal. So if you really like to put it into perspective, Arkansas last year really only didn't compete with the teams that were far and away better than them, and I don't see Texas being that way. I don't think Texas is a team that's far and away better than them, so I like Arkansas's chances in it, honestly. Now, you got to think that if Arkansas manages to beat Texas, like I certainly think they will. Uh, Razorbacks are potentially looking at a 3-0 and start to the season heading into that game with Texas A&M. Uh, how big of a, a win would the Texas A&M be for that fan base? Oh, man. That, honestly, if you could say one game that Arkansas fans would want to win the most, you know, I can't guarantee it would be that, but it'd definitely be in the mix because Arkansas, this is coming up on the 10th year, the 10th year that Arkansas has lost to Texas A&M straight. Like, if Arkansas loses to Texas A&M, this season, they would have lost 10 straight games to them. And it's just annoying because Arkansas feels like they that should never happen. And it's just crazy because even though they've lost 10 straight or almost 10 straight, they still hold a series lead over Texas A&M in their history. So 
Uh, they want that game bad. They'd love to beat Jimbo Fisher. They'd love to win that game in Jerry World, especially because it's Jerry Jones, and he's probably sick and tired of his team losing in it as well. Uh, I think that that would go a very long way for Razorback fans and kind of would be the fun, the thing of like, all right, it's it's nice to beat Ole Miss and Mississippi State and you know, or Tennessee or even an LSU, but that would be a game where it's like, okay, we're finally for real. We finally arrived. We beat Texas A&M, and we beat them because we were the better team. It would mean a lot for them. Now we're a couple weeks removed from Mike Woods leaving the team, and that was just a head-scratcher for so many reasons. He was coming off what looked like some of his best football he's ever played. Do we have any clarity why the hell he made that decision? And, you know, is Arkansas upset at all that uh, it certainly seems like Oklahoma tampered here? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, if you if you go back and, and look at Mike Woods, and he was all about Arkansas, all about Arkansas. But that's what made this so weird. And it, it's it was very sudden and very surprising to people. But I think that there's no, without a doubt that Oklahoma tampered in this. Now, I'm not sitting here crying about it, saying that, you know, they should be punished or anything. Because as far as I know, I don't think it's against the rules. But even if they did, it's just – I don't know. It's kind of one of those things. I know that Oklahoma, I think they knew that they were going to have to suspend those wide receivers that were, uh, that had gotten in that legal trouble. Mm-hmm. And I think that they needed, uh, needed some sort of, uh, falling back option. And they saw Mike Woods who, uh, at least, you know, had maybe they recruited back then when he was coming out of high school, or maybe there was a connection there. And I think they just took advantage of it. Cause I also think Mike Woods, he didn't really like the new wide receiver coach, Kenny Guyton. Uh, there was just some, there was just some awkwardness there for, for whatever reason it was. And so I think he left because he saw, hey, I don't really like this new wide receivers coach. Uh, maybe he didn't like what K.J. Jefferson was bringing to the table as far as passing him and giving him the ball. So when Oklahoma came calling, I think he definitely listened and he, he jumped ship. And I think there's probably more than just Mike Woods involved. I'm sure that there was other people influencing him, but it was certainly a, a bad deal. And I don't think Razorback fans will have any lost love for Mike Woods, especially – just the timing of it all. He scores a touchdown in the spring game, and then two days later he's gone. That makes no sense to anybody. Now, you referenced uh, K.J. Jefferson. I wanted to ask you, what's your confidence level in him after uh, spring? As Sam Pittman going in said he's our QB1, and, and he looked pretty good in the spring game. What are your thoughts on K.J. Jefferson? I'm confident in him. I know, is he going to be putting up the numbers like Felipe Franks did last year as far as you know the touchdown-interception ratio and all that? I don't know. But I love his game because he, he can add an element of running, and Arkansas has needed that for quite some time. Felipe Franks could run too, but with his injury and you know the designs, they really didn't want much out of that from him. But I think that they'll be able to do a lot more of that with KJ because he's a big-bodied guy with some speed. So I like his element to where he can be more of a threat both ways. He's got a really good deep ball, uh, but the problem with him is those, those short passes where you've got to thread the needle. That's the thing that I'm kind of worried about as far as yeah, you can hit the open man, but what about the guy that has a split second where you got to fit it in? I'm not totally sure by it. So I have confidence in him, and he looked good in the spring game. But, you know, I'm, I'm feeling more confident about it because he's got a, a, an offensive line in front of him that's all returning from last year. He's got all the tight ends coming back. He has pretty much all the wide receivers back. I know Mike Woods left, but Traylon Burks is really the one that matters the most. Davion Warren's another great one. He's returning Traylon Smith and the running back. So the best thing for a quarterback like him is to have everybody around him be experienced veterans and talent. He has that. So I think that's going to help him out a lot too. All right. I swear, John, I'm not trying to piss you off here, but do you consider Missouri a rival yet? And and how much more fuel do we need on this fire before it, uh, before it officially is one? No, no, it's not a rivalry. <laughs> like I get so, I, I just, 
I understand why people want it to be. I really do. It's beca- but it's almost like, and you know, this may not be the most politically correct way to put it. It's almost like the SEC as as a as a as a class, like just a class of little kids, and the, there's two kids over there. Like everyone else is getting along and going up against each other, but these these two kids over to the side, they don't have any really any friends. You know, no one's la- you know no one wants to talk to them. But, you know, they're, they're there. So they're like, oh, well, this, this kid over here does, doesn't have any social skills, and this one doesn't either, so let's just pair them together. And, oh, isn't that great? Yeah, look at that. Everybody's happy. And, like, it just seems like you just, like, you don't have to force it. Like, just let the schools be the schools instead of forcing this. And, you know, I don't like Missouri, and I know Missouri doesn't like Arkansas, but guess what? Missouri hates Kansas more than they do Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And Arkansas hates other teams like LSU or Texas or Ole Miss a lot more than Missouri. So to me, it can't be a rivalry unless they are at least your number one hated team. And they're not and on either side of it. So until that happens, it's not going to be one. I understand that Eli Drinkwitz is a kind of a nerdy dude that wants to force it to be one. I don't think Sam Pittman really cares one way or the other. It's just like, uh, just stop. Let it, let it play out. Let it be natural instead of this nonsensical battle line rivalry crap. It's just so annoying. Well, who do you consider Arkansas's biggest SEC rival then? Is it the is it the refs? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's <laughs> kind of been the running joke. Is just uh, you know the referees in Arkansas is always going to have a bout every single year. I mean, I don't know, man. And like, I don't think they have one. Like, they I know people. There's teams like there's part of the state, part of the fandom that hate LSU the most. There's part of people that hate Texas the most. You know, more of the old school people. Um, I think that there's I think there's more of a rivalry with Ole Miss, honestly. Just because they're pretty close in proximity, they're pretty similar in their in their football programs and their culture and lifestyle and all that. And we know there's been some epic games between them. So I think that those would be probably your best bet. Um, Missouri's just definitely not it. I know that. I, I would I would even bet money that if you polled Arkansas fans and ranked the teams they'd most like to beat this year in football in the SEC. Missouri would probably be close to the bottom of the list, maybe next to like Mississippi State or something like that. All right, last question for you, John. What are the biggest question marks you have for uh, the Arkansas football team looking ahead to uh, next season? Honestly, the biggest question mark is, I'm, is of course, the quarterback situation with K.J. Jefferson because we all know it, it relies down to that. But it's also going to be, can Sam Pittman build upon the momentum he had last year? Like, seriously, we talked about it. Like, Arkansas was just a few plays and a screw job away and a defensive line away from billing 6-4 and four last year. Like, imagine if this team would have gone 6-4 and four with that schedule. Mm-hmm. It, it would have been unbelievable. And this year, it, it's not like they're going to be coming out of nowhere anymore. Like, they were able to retain most of the coaching staff. They were able to retain a lot of the players. Can they build upon that last year? Can they make sure that last year wasn't a fluke or anything like that? Uh, can, can they find some success around it? And I think they will. And I think that they can, it's just going to be, all right, year one was good. Year one, you, you kind of pulled them out of the, out of the ground a little bit. Now, can you actually start to crawl? Can you actually start to walk? Can you have some momentum? Can you build upon things? That's going to be the ultimate question. And that second game against Texas, like if they found a way to win that game, then Razorback fans are going to get put into a pitching frenzy uh, for the rest of the season. And it's a tough schedule again, because they got to go to Georgia and two Bama, two LSU, two Ole Miss. It's not going to be easy, but I think if Razorback fans can, or if Razorbacks can just get it to six and six, maybe seven and five. Hawk fans will be extremely happy with the progress they've made. All right, he's John Neighbors, must follow at Buzz John Neighbors, the host of Out of Bounds on one hundred three point seven, the Buzz and the Lockdown Hogs podcast. 
Thanks so much, John. I really appreciate you. No problem at all, man. Have a good one. All right, terrific stuff there from John. I really enjoy his content. He really is outstanding stuff, very entertaining. He, d- he does a hell of a job there on uh, his radio program and the Locked On Hogs podcast. So if you're mm-hmm. not already listening to that stuff, check it out. And, hell, he had a hell of a tweet here, didn't he, with uh, – do you see the Jack Nicholson <laughs> photo? And he, is, it, is that Jack or is that Sam Pittman? It looked just like Sam Pittman. So, uh, I mean, he, he's a clever guy. Dude, if you haven't seen the picture of Jack on the boat, yeah, I, you definitely does look like Sam at first. <laughs> In fact, when I heard it and I saw Sam Pittman, I looked down. I was like, damn, look at Sam out there. And I was like, oh, hey, that's Jack Nicholson. <laughs> Turn that damn jukebox on. So uh, I love it, man. That was good stuff. Great interview, man. Hey, all right, Shane. So that's all we got. You got anything before we hop off here? I got some reviews. Uh-oh. First one comes from Recca 79 from the toughest state to pronounce, Massachusetts fan. <laughs> I hope I made that one right. <laughs> Five star. Being up in Massachusetts, I guess, is that how you say it, man? Am I saying it right? Yeah, sounds good to me. Oh, okay. It's tough to hear any good college football talk. That SEC podcast keeps me entertained and up to date. Keep up the good work. Well, Rekka79, I appreciate you. Yeah, thanks, Rekka. Next one comes from Rach09. Tremendous pod for the SEC fans. Five star. Great work to Mike and Shane for all the entertaining content they constantly put out. Quick question as well. Lane Kiffin and Steve Sarkeesian have been have now been around for over 15 years, dating back to their days at USC co-OCs. With both making their ways into the SEC for a time, I was wondering, in your opinion, who has had a bigger impact, and in general, what can we learn from their career? Man, that's a great question, Mike. Rach, I, I appreciate the five-star review. Uh, uh, do you want me to go first? You want to go first here, Mike? Yeah, go ahead, Shane. I, I've uh, let me think about this one. Well, I think they've they've all made tremendous mistakes you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. you, you think about lane kiffin what he did at T- knoxville and where he's finally he, i mean he finally got back to old miss steve sarkeesian a little bit more of a cinderella story he's landed down there in texas but you know you got to remember the man likes to drink and that's how he landed there it took a long road but mm-hmm. as far as bigger impact probably not what you're thinking but i'm gonna say lane kiffin and and it's not a good impact i think what he did in knoxville set that program our pro my beloved volunteer program back decades um uh we're coming off a 98 championship phil former one of the hall of fame coaches and and our next trigger we pull is for a young lane kiffin it seems things are going good but when he left in the middle of the night we had coach o calling recruits and players and tell them not to go to class it was you know it really it really left a hole in knoxville next and then the next you know the next hires i don't even want to go down that road so i want to say biggest impact obviously lane kiffin for that reason however you want to talk about the positivity i'm still going to go back to kiffin because what he's able to do at old miss in one season Shows you why he's one of the best coaches around, one of the best offensive minds around. He was able to take young, raw talent, make them competitive, went toe-to-toe with Nick Saban there for a little bit. And I think once he gets some talent around him, uh, you're going to have to watch out. and You're going to have to recognize Lane Kiffin. Steve Sarkeesian, never been a fan, never liked him in Atlanta. 
I didn't like him in Alabama. I mean, it's it's easy for him to win awards, but I think I mean I think he has some of the pieces there, but I think a lot of people just overlooked a lot of the flaws that he did have. I mean, hell, he had a he had an NFL roster to work with at Alabama, so I just can't give him the props like I can Kiffin because Kiffin, yes, he was at Alabama, he had all that talent, but look what he did with Ole Miss. Look what he did down there at FAU. Um, that's why I'm going to go biggest, um, I guess the biggest improvement, Lane Kiffin. Well, Shane, I think we know why we they call you the Tennessee Homer <laughs> for that Homer perspective. But I am going to agree with you when it comes to biggest impact, Lane Kiffin, but for a completely different reason. And I know it's, you know, it's hard to remember this far back, but not that long ago, Alabama was defense and run the ball. And... Mm-hmm. Nick Saban had to mix this thing up. He saw where the game was going. And if you can remember, I mean, he got mocked for hiring Lane Kiffin. Mm-hmm. That was yep. not a popular hire. And what happened, I think they went, I can't think of the record off the top of my head, but it's something like 34-3 and three in three seasons with Lane Kiffin as the offensive coordinator. Totally, completely changed the offense that we're still seeing uh, to this day in Alabama and the, re- the recruiting profile of the quarterbacks. It, that's another thing. you got to remember Alabama was – I know A.J. McCarron put up – you know, he, he was a good college quarterback, a lot of production. But aside from him, I mean, the quarterbacks were – they were basically just there to execute the offense. They weren't strengths of the team. Mm-hmm. And now we're looking at Heisman candidates and, and SEC players of the year at Alabama quarterbacks here – and they, they potentially got another one in Bryce Young. So the impact that had on Alabama and the ripple effect it had across the SEC, Coach O got the LSU job because he was telling people behind the scenes, I'm going to hire Kiffin. Kiffin's going to be my OC. So that helped LSU. That changed LSU. And, of course, now he's at Ole Miss. And, you know, I got nothing bad to say about Matt Luke. Ole Miss fans get mad at me every time I defend him because I – you know, it's not that he's a great coach, but Lane Kiffin has taken his players and just taken them to another mm-hmm. level and made Ole Miss fun again. It's completely night and day from when Kiffin was at FAU to now he's at Ole Miss, and, and now Ole Miss is like a destination where these recruits want to play, and it's fun, mm-hmm. it's engaging, it's entertaining. And I think to a degree that's uh, that's maybe affected Tennessee's hire of Josh Heupel too, to where they kind of want that same – attitude and energy and enthusiasm so i think lane kiffin is the answer here and i'm i'm there with you with sark i can't wait for him to lose week two to arkansas (laughs) and i mean he's gonna be the next line of longhorn coaches i'm sure they got 55 stars on the roster and they ain't gonna do shit with it and he'll be out of a job here in three or four years because uh yeah he did a hell of a job at alabama i I was probably a little too low on him and heading into last season but Hell, uh, it's just not going to be the same, man. He's, I was never impressed with what he did at USC or Washington or, or the Atlanta Falcons, like you said. So I got little confidence in him being, you know, the next great college head coach. Mm-mm. And he's at Texas. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, he left. He left the SEC and he went to Texas. So I'm out. I'm out on Sark. Absolutely. Well, hey, Shane, I think we're out on this show because uh, we're, we're wrapping up here and I'm getting ready to go to – the Theo Vaughn show. I know you're pretty, pretty jealous of that, but that's what yeah, I'm doing. Man. <laughs> I 
like Theo, man. I swear. I think we're related somewhere. So, <laughs> <laughs> man. Well, I hope you have fun, man. I appreciate you uh, getting these great this great content out, man. I love bouncing around the league, just just getting the pulse of these other SEC teams, and um, and plus, I mean, we did have some news, man. We got Jimbo calling out Saban. We, you know, what I'm saying we got some good stuff. We got fans leaving reviews. This is feels like it's uh august already so mm-hmm. uh, i appreciate you hopping on and, and getting uh getting this content out mike absolutely well the season will be here before you know it but uh, in the meantime we do need content so don't forget we've got the call in line at 615-800-5683 so call with uh, questions comments anything like that we're happy to have you on the show mm-hmm. you made it this far as always don't forget leave us that five star written review on the apple podcast app and send those on over to that sec podcast at gmail.com and we'll send you a beer koozie free of charge just for that review no, i don't know any other podcast that does that so <laughs> that's just our way of saying thanks to all you guys for listening to the show but uh, hey that's gonna do it Thanks, Shane, for joining me. I, I appreciate you, buddy. I don't say that enough. I appreciate you for hopping <laughs> on the line. And I appreciate everybody hanging out with us. Catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go balls. I always search SEC when I'm looking for it on the pods. Mm-hmm. And it's funny how the ones below us always change. So it's like sometimes it'll be Saturday Down South. or But lately, apparently, sex is becoming a big podcast. <laughs> so when you type in SEC, it's like five sex podcasts, you know? Afraid <laughs> <laughs> that it's going to start... Start recommending stuff, but I know I just <laughs> better not do that. <laughs> uh, all right, here we go. Look at that.